In this episode, Pastor John Mark Caton continues the series entitled, A Man's Handbook. John Mark teaches from Daniel 3 and talks about how to respond when the heat is on. When the world is always creating images for us to worship, how do we not bow down to them? Let's hear from John Mark as he gives us five points to help stand the heat. All right, as we think back on Sunday, how many of you were in services this weekend? Uh, how many of you were uh, either wearing ankle boots or you were sitting next to someone in ankle boots? All right, are they still bitter? Uh, what's funny is uh, the number of people that uh, left there and then texted me and said, I thought you were lying. And they looked it up and they found the article on the ankle boots being the most angry people around. But uh, anyways, good time. I want to invite you to turn uh, in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 3. Uh, and as we kind of begin a new series, uh, uh, kind of like a, a handbook on what it really means to be a, a, a man, uh, you know, as I think about our country and where we are right now, uh, what we definitely need to understand as men is that we need to have some courage and we're going to need to be bold enough to stand up for our faith and stand up for what is right. Uh, in, in some regard, uh, we need to be unshakable that regardless of the pressure that comes our way, regardless of uh, the attacks that might come our way, that we would be the kind of men that we're going we're gonna to see in Daniel chapter 3. Now, my guess is uh, everybody in this room is at least vaguely, at the very least, vaguely familiar with the story in Daniel chapter 3. It's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, uh, refusing to bow down. But what we need to understand is regardless of how well we know this story, we can never forget the principles that are found in this story. Uh, when we think about historically the time, the Babylonians, uh, they were the greatest nation on the face of the earth. They were the most powerful nation uh, on the earth. Uh, they literally could do anything they wanted to. And as I think about our country and the history of our country, where we are, uh, and really the, uh, uh, where, we, where we are right now and how we're acting right now, what, what do we typically talk about? Man, America's greatest country on the face of the earth, right? Done more good, uh, won more wars. Doesn't mean we're perfect. You go back to the founding of our country. Uh, man, our country was founded by a bunch of God-fearing men and women. I don't want to say they were all Christians uh, uh, because you can't say that, but it's clear that our country was, in fact, uh, founded by a bunch of God-fearing men and women who set up and established our country in such a way uh, that we would honor God and we would love God. But we also think about where we are right now, that we live in a culture that is journeying hard left. How many of us know that? And what they want to do as they journey hard left is make sure that everybody bows down to their beliefs. They want to make sure that everybody bows down to their beliefs. And so we want to just look at this story today, hopefully fresh and new, and really glean some principles and insights for us as we think about how am I going to live in the days ahead? How am I going to train my uh, sons and daughters and my grandsons and granddaughters uh, to be raised in a culture uh, that is going to do everything it can to threaten them, influence them, to encourage them, to bow down whether it's good for them or not. And so as we come to this time, let me remind you in the history, uh, Israel uh, was challenged and told by God, worship me, love me, and I'll protect you. They continued to worship after other gods. They began to uh, set up idols, and God lifted and removed His hand of protection from them. 
Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians came in and overthrew Israel, took a bunch of them back, and Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and a number of the others were some of those special people that were taken back uh, to Babylon. And if you look in Daniel chapter 1, it says, there man, incredible prayer. Daniel began to pray for God, uh, moving his heart, made a commitment. Daniel chapter 2, uh, how many of you remember in Daniel chapter 2? You can go read it. Uh, there was, the, the king had a prayer. And he wanted someone to interpret the prayer. And so he called all the politicians and the satraps in and uh, all these uh, soothsayers in. And he says, hey, tell me the interpretation of the dream. But he took it a step forward. He says, but I'm not going to tell you what the dream is. How many remember that? And, and so what happened is literally some of the people that turn on Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel chapter 3 are the ones that Daniel saved their life in chapter 2. And it's kind of interesting as I look at our country and you look around and you think about some of the people that are trying to tear things down and destroy our country, we're like, hey, were it not for those who went before us, were it not for the principles that this country was founded on, your opinion wouldn't matter at all. And so here we are in Daniel chapter 3 seeing something take place that only took place because Daniel, a man of God, stepped, stepped up to protect those same people in Daniel chapter 2. And so as we look at it, let's just kind of think about where we are in our country. Look at Daniel chapter 3, pick it up, verse 1. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubits high, 6 cubits wide, and set it up on the plain of uh, Dura uh, in the province of Babylon. He then summoned all the satraps and all the uh, prefects and all the governors and all the advisors and all the treasurers, all the judges, all the magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image that he had set up. Then it says, Then the herald loudly proclaimed, Nations and people of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. This is not what you're asked to do. It's not an invitation. Here's our, it's not a suggestion. This is what you're commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn and the flute and the zither and the lyre and the harp and the pipe and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. Now, that's kind of like cancel culture today, right? Uh, but uh, but and add, add your body in the furnace as well. It says, here's the problem. He says, listen, we're, King Nebuchadnezzar built this image in this idol, commanded that everybody would bow down and worship this image. Well, if you go back to God, what does He say? Just go back to the Ten Commandments. You know, no other gods before me. Do not make any graven images. Man, that's, that's really the command that you and I and we and Daniel uh, and, and all the children of Israel, that's what they followed. That there is absolutely one God. And we would only worship that one God. There, there's a lot of gray area in life. But guys, let me just tell you what, bowing down before someone else and another God, that is not a gray area. That is not a gray area for us. There is one true God, and that is the only God we worship. Even if you journey in the New Testament, when the teachers of the law and the Pharisees were asking Jesus, man, you know, what's the essence of the law? And by the time Jesus showed up, they had developed 613 different laws. They said, what's the greatest? And Jesus says, pretty clear. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. 
Love your neighbor as yourself. It still starts with that first idea that we have one God that we worship. So, so here's what happened. They said, everybody, when the herald shouts, when the horns blow, everybody will bow down. More and more, we're moving that way in our country. That you better bow down to a couple of agendas. You better bow down to a couple of thoughts. If not, we're going to make you bow down. Then as you continue to read, pick it up, verse 7. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the, of the horn, the flute, the zither, uh, the lyre, the harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Now, let me give you a couple of thoughts. And I, wanna, I just thought as I was studying this uh, this week, I'll give you some similarities that I see from that day and what we might be seeing in our day. I think number one is this, um, I'm always going to be tempted to make an image to myself. See, Nebuchadnezzar was power. And so what he decided to do is I'm going to make an image to myself. And everybody's going to bow down. Guys, I, I think uh, in some ways, if we aren't careful, we can create an image that we want others to worship that we can create an image that we want others to bow down to. Now, obviously, Nebuchadnezzar had nefarious reasons for it, but I think there are times in our life that we can try to create an aura of perfection, an aura of power, an aura of, of, of this is who I am, when in reality, that's not who we are. And so, guys, don't ever fall into the temptation of becoming a Nebuchadnezzar for others in your life. In the New Testament, those were called Pharisees. In the New Testament, those were called teachers of the law. And so I want to encourage us, if we're truly going to have an impact on this culture today, that we need to learn to be men that walk as uprightly as we can. You might want to write this down. And as humble as we can. Those two things. We want to learn to be men who walk as uprightly as we can and as humble as we can. I think sometimes the greatest, uh, some of the greatest things I hear and see as I talk to people in my office is if they're coming to church or coming back to church is, is they'll say, man, but pastor, uh, no one really knows what I've done or what I've been through. And let me tell you what, after 26 and a half years, I will promise you, there's nothing you can tell me in that office that I haven't heard before. How many of you understand? Solomon said, there is nothing new under the sun. Remember what Solomon said? And that includes sin, right guys? But I think there's the, part of the problem is sometimes if we aren't careful as we begin to grow in our faith and walk in our faith, especially some of you guys, that man, you are mature in your faith, that you perhaps want to pretend that what happened in your 20s didn't happen. What happened in your 30s didn't happen. What happened in your 40s didn't happen. And so someone comes in in their 20s, 30s, and 40s, and they're broken, and they've blown up a marriage, or they've blown up this, or they've blown up that. And if we aren't careful, we can create this religious image that others feel like they have to bow down to. So I want to encourage us, as men here at Cottonwood Creek, let's become men who walk as uprightly as we can, but also as humbly as we can. 
acknowledging that we are anything but perfect. Here's another, another thought, and this directly, I, I think in this world, we understand that the world is always going to create images for us to follow. We see that right now. I mean, there is um, there's so many images being put before us. Sometimes it's political affiliation. Don't we understand that both sides, right? It's who do you want to be the president? Both sides. Um, money. A lot of times people worship money, uh, power, politics. I just wrote down uh, pleasure, uh, fame. And so as we think and journey through life, we need to understand that we want to be the kind of people who influence. Now you say, Pastor, you're saying don't, don't use Instagram, social media. Absolutely not. I'm saying use it for a good reason and a good cause. But we want to make sure that we aren't creating an image that others are supposed to fall down to. But we also need to understand we need to look around and make sure we aren't bowing down to the images that culture is bringing our way. I think there's uh, another thought. If you don't bow down to the world's images, there will be consequences. How many of you know? We're seeing, I've, I've said and heard the word mandate in the last 24 uh, months more than I've ever wanted to hear it and ever wanted to hear it again. Am, am I the only one, right? But if you don't bow down, there are going to be consequences, right? We see that battle play out over and over again. That's exactly what we see. Look at it in verse, verse 8. Let's pick it up in Daniel chapter 3, verse 8. So here you have the image that has been made. Nebuchadnezzar says you're going to bow down. And notice what it says, verse 8. It says, at this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. Your majesty issued a decree. Everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the flower, the flute, uh, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music will fall down and worship the image of gold. And whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown in the blazing furnace. But there are some Jews. Guys, my prayer is, whether it's a decade from now or two decades from now, and let's say that more and more in our country, we're being challenged like they are up in Canada. Here's what you can preach about. Here's what you can't preach about. Here's what you can say. Here's what you can't say. That more and more that as we stand tall for the faith, for the right reasons, that when people look at the men of Cottonwood Creek, they won't see men that have put up false images of, uh, of Phariseeism, but they will see men that would stand tall where people say, you know, there are some men over at Cottonwood Creek that they are refusing to bow down to the world's idols. And they are raising their children, their sons and their daughters, and their grandsons and their granddaughters to not bow down to the images this world is putting before them. And so I love that idea. There are some Jews. Man, I, I pray that today in this room, in our church, that when people think about the men of Cottonwood Creek, they would say, there are some men. There are some men over at Cottonwood Creek that, that they're not bowing down for anything. Now, I also want them to say they're loving, they're kind, they're gracious, they're the most giving men you can possibly imagine, but they don't bow down. They're not going to compromise to culture. 
And so listen to this. It said, but there are some Jews whom you have set up in the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they pay no attention to you, your majesty, which is, by the way, not true. They just chose not to bow down and worship something that clearly is in direct violation of God's word. Your majesty, they neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you have set up. There are some Jews. Man, and you think today, what, what's being said today? Well, if you don't bow down to this, you may, it must be some sort of this phobe, right? Everything's a phobe, everything's a phobe, everything's a phobe, or everything's this, or we're going to cancel you. That's exactly what we're seeing here, is that these guys were standing strong in this culture. I ran across one commentator that says, if you look in this story, uh, you'll see those that are stuck up, those that are kiss-ups, and those that are stand-ups. <laughs> yeah, and, and it says, hey, those who are stuck up, Nebuchadnezzar. Right? We understand. How many of you remember growing up stuck up? It was the idea that you thought you were better than you were. And then it said, well, then you had all the satraps and the provinces and the, the officials. They were all the kiss-ups. And then you had a couple of dudes. They were the stand-ups. And so men, we want to be the stand-up men. We're going to be the kind of men that are always standing up for what is right. We don't want to be stuck up. We don't want to be Pharisees. We don't want to pretend that our past didn't happen. We want to let people know that, man, but for the grace of God, there go I. And I will tell you, if you're in this room or you're listening to this uh, later uh, online, I want to encourage you, man, if, if you are in a broken season or been through a broken season, the Cottonwood Creek is not a place of perfect people. It is a place where men who have been through their past are saved by grace and inspired by God's Spirit to become the man that God wants them to be, regardless of what has taken place. And we're not going to walk around here as a bunch of stuck-up men who have, have never had a checkered past, not struggled in the past. We're not going to kiss up to any government official or anybody else. We're going to be stand-up men. And that's ultimately who we want to be. And so as we journey forward, I, I just thought, man, let's jump down to verse 13 real quick. Notice, so they took this to Nebuchadnezzar. It says, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men brought them forward to the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? He knew the answer to that question. Go look at Daniel chapter 1 and chapter 2. He knew the answer. These were the guys that wouldn't eat the king's food. Remember chapter 1. Chapter 2, they, they didn't worship the same gods that all the satraps and the officials who couldn't interpret or even know the king's dream. Same guys. So he says, is it true you don't worship my image and my God? You know the answer to that. Let me tell you what, if, if you look at our country right now and they say, well, are you saying you don't go along with the cancel culture or the woke agenda? You know the answer to that. Look at the history of our country. We've never bowed down to that, right? But we're also not going to pretend that a past in our country is perfect. How many of you know we've got a lot of bad things that took place in our country? And we've got to own up to those and be honest about them and say we're not going to repeat those mistakes. But he says, hey, is it true that you are not going to bow down, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I've set before you? And he says, now when you hear the sound of the horn and the flyer and all that stuff, he says, I made it very clear you're going to bow down. And so what happens? They don't bow down. 
So as you come to this idea, you might want to just write a couple of thoughts. If you find yourself attacked by culture today, there's a pattern here I see of a couple of thoughts. Thought number one is this. Let your character defend you. Let your character defend you more than anything else. You know, here's what we know. If you look in uh, Daniel chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. What were they saying? They were saying, you know, really, you know the answer to this question. You've watched us. You've watched us from the day you brought us in here. We chose to eat God's food, not your food. We chose to serve you as good officials. By the way, these were officials that served him. We've been good employees. We've honored the king. We've done all of these things, but we are not going to worship your God. Well, they say we don't need to defend ourselves in this matter. You know, a lot, a lot of times that's where we are in our culture. People will attack us for what we believe or this or that, some issue going on. You know, the best thing we can say, you know, we, we really don't need to defend ourselves. We're just standing on the truth, and this is where truth has always been. Man, where there's a core truth found in God's Word, we're not going to waver one bit. Where it's opinion, we'll give charity, right? And so I love this. They said, man, you know, just look at our history, King. We've served you well. We're going to treat you right, but we're not going to worship you. We're not going to compromise God's word. Things kind of, we don't even need to defend ourselves in this place. And if we think about their history and their past, what about yours? What about yours? Let me, let me just use one illustration. And, and, and you know, part of, part of the idea is that every once in a while, I'm, I'm supposed to challenge you. Let me give you one current example. Vaccine mandates. Okay? Well, be careful before you say amen. It's kind of amazed us as a staff that, that there have been people we haven't seen in church, seen around church, been in church. They don't read the Bible. They haven't been doing anything for a long, long time. But all of a sudden, they are a strong Christian with a conscientious objection to a vaccine mandate. And I'm sitting here going, well, if you were that sold out to God, wouldn't you have been to church once in the last eight years? Do we understand? See, there have been other people that have come in and said, hey, can you, can you give us an exemption? I'm sitting there going, dude, I see you here seven days a week. You're here all the time. You're serving. You're always about this. Absolutely. I think this is where, when you look at these guys, these guys didn't just show up and all of a sudden choose this issue to say, I stand with God. Do we understand what I'm saying? What I'm saying is, guys, our character and life has to constantly be defending us. So my question is, if someone accused you today, just like I shared Sunday morning, of being a Christian, a follower of the faith, would there be enough evidence from the last seven days for you to be convicted? And my prayer is yes. I love this idea 
that's a, they say, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't even need to defend ourselves. You know where we stand on these things. You know where we stand on these things. We've never bowed down to anything in the past. We're not bowing down now. And if you build another altar in the future, we won't bow down. There's no compromise there, right? And so, guys, my encouragement to us is let our character always be defending ourselves. Because here's what's going to happen if you haven't seen it. How many of you know there's going to be another mandate that comes down in the future? And my prayer is, is that your life, if you get called into HR and they say, hey, where do you stand on this? You go, you don't even need to ask. Look at my last seven years of service to the country, to the, to the company. Look at my last 10 years of service. Look at my last two years of service. Man, I've been clear and honest. I don't even need to stand here and defend myself. I've made it very clear that I'm a follower of faith. I'm never going to steal a dime from the company. I'm never going to do any of that. And so my encouragement to us is let our character defend us more than anything else. They just said we don't even need to defend ourselves. Here's the next thought as I see. Remember, regardless of the circumstances, God has the power to save you. Regardless of the circumstances, God has the power to save you. Hey, you, you say, where do you see that? Look at in verse 17, Daniel chapter 3, verse 17. They said, if, everybody say if. They said, if we're thrown in the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and He will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Regardless of what comes your way, realize God can and will save you. God has the ability. Regardless of what takes place, man, let me tell you what, in that day, in that season, there was no one more powerful on the face of the earth than Nebuchadnezzar. And today, in our season, our time, man, we need to understand if God can save them and preserve them from Nebuchadnezzar, He can do the same for you and me. And so don't ever doubt whether God can get you through your own fiery furnace, your own struggle. Here's number three. Be honest and willing to announce your loyalty to God no matter what. Be honest and open and willing to announce your loyalty to God no matter what. Daniel chapter 3, verse 18, he says, But even if, I love, if you want to underline anything in this whole chapter, those few words at the beginning of verse 18 are the ones to underline. But even if He does not, my God is able. How many of you know your God is able? Man, and, and you know, I don't know about you, but if I'm going to be thrown in a fiery furnace, I want my God to deliver me. I want Him just to allow the ropes to be burned off, right? I want to come out not even smelling like smoke. Isn't that what we all want? If you ask me, choose option A. That's what I want. But let me ask you a question, guys. Are we willing to say this next phrase? But even if he doesn't. See, that's the hard phrase. See, I'll tell you the phrase that my God is able to serve, to save. We can all say that. But the bigger question is, it takes a real man, a real man in his faith, to say, but even if he doesn't, I'm going to do the right thing. 
And so, guys, I'll submit to you, those are the hardest words in this whole, pa- uh, this whole passage. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Now notice as you think through this, sometimes God will save us from a crisis, sometimes God will save us through a crisis. But notice in this crisis what God did not save them from. God did not save them from being tied up. God did not save them them from being thrown in the furnace. God did not save them from being mocked and laughed at. God did not save them from a lot of things. God ultimately did save them from the fire. And so you might be going through some things in your life or perhaps uh, in, in another couple of years or another five years or another ten years, you might be going through some things. God may save you from some things, but He may not save you from other things. The question is, are we going to be the kind of men that say, but even if He does not. I'm going to stand strong. See, that's the key. I'll tell you that phrase, but even if he does not, that's the one that truly tests the metal of the faith. Do we understand that? It's that phrase. Not, I believe God can save me. It's that phrase, but even if he doesn't. Let me tell you what, when we get to that place as men at Cottonwood Creek, where we are, but even if He doesn't, men, that's when we're going to be the kind of salt and light that Jesus truly wants us to be. Is that we are willing to stand bold and stand courageous and, and, and move on. It says, But even if not, we will not serve your gods. We will not worship your gold image that you have set up. Jump down to verse 19. Notice this. It says, Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. Now, it's kind of, kind of funny, right? Uh, by the way, the furnace at its normal temperature would kill a man. Do we understand that? And so why would it being seven times hotter make, it, make us that much more fearful? And so, guys, the consequences are the consequences. When we stand in the faith, but I think it's kind of interesting. You say, all right, here's an idea. Let's just make it seven times hotter. Maybe that'll scare them a little more. But it didn't. Man, as I think about it, God didn't save them again from being mocked, being tied up, even being thrown in the furnace. Jump down to verse 20. And commanded some of the strongest soldiers in the army. And let me tell you what, they'll, they'll send them after us someday. Uh, in the army, to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes and their trousers and their turbans and their other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent, and the furnace was so hot in the flames that the fire killed those strong soldiers that threw them into the furnace. Then look down to verse 23. It says, And these three men, firmly tied up, fell into the blazing furnace. God allowed them to go into the fire. God allowed them to be tied up. God allowed them to be carried away by strong men. God allowed them to be mocked and lied about and abused. But the one thing God did is ultimately rescue them. And so guys, let's be the kind of men that say, but even if he does not, 
will never worship you. Now jump down to verse 24. Notice this. It says, Then the king, Nebuchadnezzar, leaped to his feet. So here's what happened. Threw him in. Then king Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet uh, and, uh, with amazement and asked the advisors, weren't there just three men that were tired up and, tied up and thrown into the furnace? And then notice what it says. He says, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the Son of God. Can I just tell you, if we will start today walking in faith and living by faith, that here's what we can understand. God will always be with us in the fire. God will always be with us in the fire, guys. You might want to just write that down. If you will start today following Christ in a bold and courageous way, if you ever end up in the fire, God will not leave you alone. He will be with you in the fire. And, and, and here's the beautiful thing about this passage, is the challenge for us today as we journey from this place is not to try to wait until we're about to go into the furnace to grow our faith. That we need to start today. These guys had developed a pattern from Daniel chapter 1 to Daniel chapter 2 to Daniel chapter 3 that they were going to worship God and God alone. So when it came time to be told to bow down, they had de developed a character and a history of worshiping the one true God where they could sit there and say, we don't even need to defend ourselves. I mean, guys, we need to live such a way at the office and in our relationships that people don't even need to ask us what we believe. How many of us understand that? That they just know. Man, we don't stand for cheating a company. We don't stand for this. We don't stand for that. We stand for right. We stand for good. And we stand for God. And regardless of what comes our way, we're not going to bow down. Even if it means God doesn't save us from being tied up. Even if it means God doesn't save us from being thrown into the furnace. We trust that God will save us even from the fiery furnace. But even if He does not, we're going to grow in our faith. We're going to be the kind of men that God wants us to be. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this wonderful reminder of the kind of men we want to be. God, let us live our lives in such a way that when someone begins to attack us, we don't even need to defend ourselves. But our recent past words and our past decisions and our past actions and our past relationship, they are a defense. That we're not hateful, bitter, angry men but we are loving, gracious, courageous men who bow down to the one true God and only the one true God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Men's Bible Study. For more information about Cottonwood Creek Church, visit cottonwoodcreek.org. That's cottonwoodcreek.org.